Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, you know, some top riders here. The facilities, the track, both the dirt and the grass, great tracks to ride on. And, um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Touch of nostalgia, um, you know, happy and sad, but um, so great that I, uh, grateful I got the opportunity to come over and thoroughly enjoy the experience. It was certainly worthwhile and, um, you know, um, who knows, might not be the last time I come back this way. It's just a little hint from Damien Oliver mm. that he's not permanently retired. So he was over at the Saudi Cup where Gareth Hall tagged along. Yes. <laughs> so he thought, I'm super curious about this. I've had the good fortune to go to the races in Dubai, which was a very different experience. Singapore, which is not long to go. But Saudi is the source of much fascination because of the sporting culture that they are paying to grow. Now, that has been steep in acrimony for a period of time in all of our discussions around live sport. It's not limited to that. The F1 uh, and the Saudi Cup's the richest race in the world. Gareth, it's lovely to see you. Hello, Jared. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience. It probably exceeded my expectations just a little bit with the way that they go about their daily life and also what racing means to means to them. And um, yeah, it was it was fascinating to watch it unfold. Tell me the Damien Oliver story first. How, how did he go? So he went okay. He was a slow start. He had the first two races on dirt and. Ollie hasn't ridden much on dirt and he got a long way back and he didn't have the best of luck. And obviously you need the right horse, but then on the, the, um, turf races, he came into his own. He was very good in the first of the turf races. He flashed time. He looked like the winner at, at one stage and he finished third. And then his final ever race was a, it was, it was like watching Munimek all over again. He was buried back on the inside. He tried to weave his way through and he got held up at a crucial stage and then he got out late and he finished in the placing. So he wasn't far off then. And I think he, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. For, this is just, this is just my opinion, yep. Jared, from an outsider looking in and, and speaking to Ollie throughout that, that week. And I spent a little bit of time with him. I don't think it's over. Like, I think. <laughs> There, there'll be a lot of, there was, there was some job offers offered to him in the Middle East and that's would probably be only a short term contract and he could make a lot of money in that period. Um, and it's not as bad as I think that he first thought when he went over there. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him ra racing again, not necessarily in this country, but abroad. The, the signature race. So yep. we, we've seen the Dubai World Cup for a few years. The Saudi Cup is, is a new a newish event. Yep. What are we to make of it? Well, it's a dirt race. So it was the best dirt race seen in the world for quite some time. You had all of the best dirt horses there. So it was basically Japan taking on America. America is the king of dirt racing, but as we're seeing on so many occasions on the world racing scene, Japan are making up a lot of ground there. They've dominated turf racing around the world, the Japanese, but now they're making a name for themselves on, on the dirt. So they won the Dubai World Cup and the Saudi World Cup last year, Japan. Um, but this year, the race was taken out by an American horse. And it was actually a fascinating story behind it. The horse, of course, um, winning that race was Senor Buscador, who is a horse that gets back on the dirt, which isn't easy to do. But there was so much pace in that race in the World Cup. But what happened there was a group of Saudi owners, like a syndicate got together and they leased 30% of this galloper for two races, the Saudi World Cup and the Dubai World Cup. Yep. And would you believe it won? And the scenes after the race, Jared, I've never seen anything like it. They, they like, it was very, 
the security was high there because the crown prince and the prime minister was there and they had to hold up the, the, the races were held up for about 45 minutes because no one knows when the prince is coming. Um, because the security is so, so tight behind him. He doesn't tell, he doesn't tell anyone when he's coming. So, and there was dummy helicopters thinking, oh, this is where he is, <laughs> but it wasn't. And there were so many, um, cars surrounding the, the, the building that was in and they built a, a building specially for, for the prime minister and the crown prince, which is in the middle of the, the track because no one can get to him. Um, so yeah, so we had to wait 45 minutes or so, but this horse one came from the clouds and the scenes after it were astonishing. And there was a little controversy after it because the poor American owners, um, were basically forgotten about. And then they didn't get to meet the, the, the crown prince and the prime minister because, um, they couldn't get through the security. And I think, the, <laughs> I think the person who did the deal, which was a Saudi trainer who didn't even have a share in it, found his way to meet the, to meet Mohammed bin Salman El Saud, who's like the, he's the, he's the, he's the biggest personality and the most important person in Saudi Arabia. So he actually met that and got to shake the hands with um, the prime minister and the rest didn't. So it was a little bit weird from that point of view, but it was a great experience. So at night at the races in, yep. in Saudi Arabia, in Dubai, uh, so there's no legal gambling. Now, yep. clearly people are using their phones however yes. they choose to use yes. their phone. But it was set up around, there was a Rolls Royce on track. And a bit like the old classic catches competition is that you had to fill in the winner of six races. And if you got the six, you won the Rolls Royce. Yeah. What, what was happening? They in had a Saudi little Arabia? bit of a competition like that, Jerry, but there was no gambling and there's no drinking in Saudi Arabia. And the rules are a little tighter than say Dubai. But as a few people told me, Saudi Arabia at the moment is what Dubai was 25 years ago. And they'll be betting in Saudi Arabia, I reckon the next year or so. So you'll be able to bet in Saudi Arabia. Um, especially if you're a Westerner traveling into that country. I don't know for the locals, but definitely for the tourists. And they'll be drinking allowed in that country shortly. So it's a complete change in the way that they go about their business. It was a closed shop once upon a time in Saudi Arabia, but now they're using sport to reconnect, hopefully, that country with the rest of the world to to improve the relationships um, with the rest of the world. So they're using sport to do just that. And it's amazing to see what they've been able to do. And they tell me it's a completely different country than say it was a year ago, let alone five years ago. Um, so you'd be allowed to do a lot more in Saudi Arabia and who knows what that race will look like in five years time. So yeah, what were you able to glean around? So there have been major sporting events that have either been bought up there or have been staged there in recent times. And, and I, the Formula One race is only a couple of weeks yep. away, isn't it? So I can understand. So they've got this plan to 2030 there yep. in Saudi Arabia. So what, what has happened there, Mohammed bin Salman El Sahoud, who when I talk to the younger generation especially, and this is just me talking to people, they, they, they call him a hero because he's giving them a lot more opportunities than what previous administrations have. So... They've used sport to open up the rest of the world, but obviously there's less restrictions on what women can do over there. There's universities, they're involved in sport. When I went to the race club, there are a lot of women working at the race club, a lot of the Saudis as well. And they've got an age group that are, there's, a, there's, there's millions under the age of 30. So he's got to make sure that they develop jobs for that group. So they're building new cities. Riyadh was a city there. So the old city's basically going to get demolished in a way. And they're building a, a new city about 10 or 15 um, kilometres away from, 
the old city. So they're using sport to say, okay, we have learned from our past. We've changed the way that we're going to live our lives in a way. We're going to respect our culture, but we understand the Western world and um, come and see our country. So don't hear what you're hearing from the outside, but come and experience. We're going to let you come in like there was a lot of people there for the, the Grand Prix and the races and see for yourself. So that's the idea of live golf. That's the idea of getting Cristiano Ronaldo playing in the, the local competition there. Like there's only four or 5,000 people that turn up to watch Cristiano Ronaldo. Right. Some say, yep. as they tell me. So it's, they, they, they want to, obviously they're using sport to help the world change their minds in this country. So it's going to be fascinating to see how that all unfolds. What do you think their place in racing might be soon enough? The biggest, like when you've got, they're not mucking around. It's a $20 million race and that race is only going to get bigger. Like the Americans now will concentrate on that race because it's $10 million to the winner US. And it made me think like, why don't we have more dirt racing in a way in this country? If you've got all the big world races in the Middle East worth what they're worth at, at Dubai and also what they're worth in, in, in Saudi now, like dirt tracks, they, they've, they need to improve in America. They're trying to work that out. But if you can get a, a track that's good for the welfare of the horse and have dirt racing, why wouldn't you try it in this country? Because if you then if you can buy a horse and then you can compete for 20 million and it might be worth 40 million in five years time. Yep. Um, especially if they can bet on it. So yeah, I think it'll be, the race that everybody would want to win because it's going to be worth it. Like money speaks all languages. Jared. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Mm. What an interesting trip. Yeah. It is. And I reckon you'll like more people want to go. It's a beautiful country too. The people are wonderful and it's a, it's a big country. Um, yeah. And obviously what they did in previous years was barbaric, but obviously they've learned from, and they're trying to establish new chapters and, um, they're opening up their country and it was a closed shop, but they're saying, come and see us. Um, this is what we're about. And yeah. And I reckon that, um, yeah, it did surprise me, Jared. So hats off to them in a way. Excellent first-hand account. Gareth, thank you. All right. Thanks, mate.